cannot buy. Send me a love that you cannot mix. One is the joy that you cannot waste. And the other one price that you cannot fix. This is the peace that you cannot buy. Finding a way where you cannot see. Man with this system, you cannot pray. I need to find relief. Hey family, welcome back to another episode of Peace of Mind where we value our health our body and our time and we have Katrina Pittman with us here today. Katrina Pittman is an amazing person. I've been talking to her offline off the camera just about her story and I'm going to give her some time just to like introduce yourself and just tell the people a little bit about who you are and your background. Sure. So hello everyone. My name is Dr. Katrina Pittman and I love mental wellness. And so a little bit about my background is that I have my terminal degree in counseling psychology. I have a practice. It's called a paradigm shift. And I love working with families, individuals, but I also work with corporate and crisis management and executive services. That is so amazing and it's so exciting and all honest and I can't wait to like dive deeper into how it came to be in all honesty in your journey just like the overall curation of it and really just like have the opportunity and the experience to learn more about who you are as a person and like what you constantly do on a consistent basis as well. So I think that with that being said, I guess my first question is kind of like, what was your first momentum or your first like mindset into getting into this field of study, whether that is psychology or counseling or just like the overall branching around of who you are? Yeah, I think it started back in high school, really. Okay. Because I really did not know it was a field that okay. existed. Um, as a child, I probably was one that always talked to strangers yeah. and people always talked to me. Okay. Um, I wasn't very uh, foretelling of other people's business, so I kind of oh, kept it into. Okay. And I think in like my 11th grade year in high school, one of my professors, it was a sociology class. Okay. He was like, have you thought about your career? Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out. And he just pointed me in the direction of the social fields. Okay. And, um, psychology and mental health because he said he'd been observing me and I I get along with all groups, right? I'm the one that eats mm. in the eats in the library. I go to the library at lunchtime, but yeah. I played soccer, I was a cheerleader all season long, all yeah. year long, um, active but also private and so it allowed me just a uh, variety of relationships and yeah. I think he saw that in me that I just took for granted. Wow. And so then on that journey, growing up everybody's like, Oh, you should be a teacher, you should be a teacher. And so when you don't know, it's like, okay. Yeah. And I like that and I like talking and I guess I was a natural teacher. And so I went in under going to school as a kindergarten para and then realized school counseling was pulling my heartstring and so that's where I went and got my master's degree in school counseling and then from there um, wanting to branch to a bigger realm outside of the school yeah. so I decided to pull more so into um, community Wow. An individual as far as um, providing service because the school is limited on 
what we can focus on. I still have my school counseling certification, yeah. just in case it allows me an av another avenue of advocating for students with 504s or special education. So I still yeah. hold that and advocate for those, but I love the umbrella to branch out and work in a variety of environments. So along that journey, I've worked in the legal system. Okay. And so I'm very comfortable with court. Um, okay. Some of my current things are with court, um, as well as crisis management okay. and executive services as well. Yeah. And I still hold the spot for the individual one-on-one -on -one okay. and family, but I, I enjoy groups as well. And workshops and trainings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Things but I fish with a big net, but it's the strategic degree yeah. that allows me to have an umbrella of opportunities and options so that my wheelhouse can be fed and I can provide services in a variety of ways. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that a lot. And can you explain to us like what a 504 is? I think that you mentioned that for people yes. who might be familiar. Yeah, so in the school system on an educational basis, every concern as a school counselor is based on how well a student is doing academically in that setting. Okay. And so with that, um, special education services like a 504, which is um, a legal document that would advocate for someone having a learning disability or, or even mental health disabilities yeah. like anxiety or ADHD. Mm. And so sometimes I've come in and sat in on manifestation meetings Wow. to help advocate for those. And I was doing that before uh, I left the yeah. school system and currently now. For those students who might qualify for a 504 and that's what some of those like panels or conversations that you were sitting on to like determine best fit mm -hmm. of that magnitude. Mm -hmm. okay. Or accommodations needed okay. or services needed. Yeah, mm -hmm. okay. I like that a lot. And I know that you mentioned and touched on like mental health advocacy and mental health well-being so i would really love for us to dive deeper on that realm and just like what that looks like so i guess like my first question to even like scratch the surface is like what does mental health mean to you and what does that look like for you like when you hear mental health or think about mental health what is that Ooh, i love that question when I think about mental health, I think about the wellness of our mind state, mind, body, and spirit. Okay. And the mental health portion is really the way we think and the way we are navigating through life, experiencing it. And I believe mental wellness prevents mental illness. Okay. And so anything that that's the important part, I think, when we are aware that my mental health is a part of the top things that I should be focused on, just like my nutritional health, yeah, just like my brain health, yeah, right, just like my relationship and social health, correct, my financial health, all of that, all of that, yes. mental health, and I believe, um, I strongly believe in our mental wellness because it helps to navigate every other area of our lives. If I'm not Yes. In a good mental state, financially, I can make decisions mm -hmm. that will impact me in that area. Yes. It's all because of my mental state. You know, for a quick little, the, the, um, bless you. Thank the, you. You're welcome. The, the, um, shopaholic 
yeah. type of thing. Mm. So that could be I'm stressed or I'm dealing with some things. Wow. But I want to go <laughs> soothe that that way. Wow. And so we don't understand the connection of mental health and our finances. And we mental keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah, so I think like mental wellness when we can really tune into that and that requires self-awareness yeah and, and a lot of people don't realize self-awareness is a life skill yeah and it's a daily practice of that life skill yeah and so i think it has to start with self-aware so i know where i am so i can be honest with me yeah and then after that i believe it's definitely mindset yeah wow no, that's really big and I'm glad that you expounded on that and there's two big pieces that I kind of wanted to like ask follow-up questions and I guess like the first one is the shopaholic tendency because I feel like that's a very real that's a very real thing mm -hmm. and I don't think that society takes it as severe as it could mm -hmm be in certain tendencies because it's like oh i'm just buying this or i'm just buying that but if you really like peel off the layers of like mm -hmm. why i think how you say it, it can discover a lot of things about like some exposed trauma or some exposed like areas of mm -hmm. our life so like when you think about the shopaholic tendency or like why people do that like what are your thoughts on that specific um entity yeah i definitely begin to look at and listen for the reasoning yeah. on why and their motives behind it. Um, I participate in Making Money Matter Mondays mm -hmm. um, with the financial coach. Okay. And we decided to collaborate so that we can discuss that place where your money and your mental health meet. Yeah. And the reason it came about is because a lot of us does not, we don't realize that there's a stressor that's there yeah and this is my release of my mm. shopping but when i'm listening and i'm looking at the time and the reasons why people shop and especially this coming off this last quarter of the year the holiday season the holiday quarter yes it is it brings up a lot of things about um personal needs not being met stress mm. stress anxiety yeah depression yeah right wow so we and we, we shop and we do these things and sometimes it can create a kickback that we're not expecting yeah because it could be then after i've had this emotional rush because shopping makes me feel good yeah. it's a power it's empowering yeah right i get to choose what i want and reject what i don't want mm. where in some other areas that might be a challenge yeah and so when i'm shopping and this holiday season have shopped afterwards, there is the drop down. Like uh -huh. any other addiction or yeah. any other thing that we haven't dealt with. Process. And so and then there is the regret of the shopping oh. and the frustration with that. Yeah. And then even just the consequences of, oh, I spent that money that was allocated to that thing. Yeah. And so And it can lead into other challenges or stressors, mm -hmm. which is the overall like complication in the beginning I suppose mm -hmm. so I usually will help them identify their pattern yeah and insert right in there so that we can pivot mm. and so that tendency to shop you know and it's the meeting them where they are so it may be okay shop 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 all you want 
but you're only going to bring, you're only going to spend a certain amount, or you're only going to bring in spending cash on. Mm, that way you can have those limitations and or, those boundaries and mm -hmm. those. And if you're going to buy online, yeah. put it in the put it in the basket, and you have to wait forty eight hours. Well, before you actually buy to see if you really wanted it, yeah. or were you trying to soothe that pain? Something right in the minute. Those are really good, actionable items and opportunities for people to be mindful of. So I love that portion as well, actually like placing something in addition to like, you know, to divert it. Wow, cool. Yeah, and that's a big part of what I love about my role. Yeah. Um, I, I don't take it lightly and I think um, yeah. I need you to have a tool. Yeah. You don't have to use it, but at least I want to provide some yeah. tools, resources, tools. strategies. Yeah. Because, you know, you have instant tools and long-term tools, yeah. but they are very beneficial. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's amazing. And then um, a question that spurred out of that was, I know you said, or I know we mentioned and talked about during that last quarter, quarter four, it can bring up a lot of stressors or anxieties. And I know a lot of people talk about seasonal depressions mm -hmm. as well. So this is the first time I thought about this, but I wonder if seasonal depression is connected to like that Q4, October, November, December, New Year's resolutions, thinking about family time, thinking about things that they, they had like planned and set in like January and February, and now coming to like that realization that maybe they didn't necessarily meet the quota or the goals or the ideas that they had in the previous year, just that whole ordeal. So like, what are your thoughts on when seasonal depression connecting to like the New Year's and stuff like that? Oh, very much so. Everything okay. you said is a portion of that. Okay. And also, I you know, I'm honest about being aware of it's the equinox too. It, it is the, the days are darker. They get, they're shorter in the uh, visual. So it's something about just the darkness yeah. brings a mental darkness. Wow. And so when you're in that, and then most of the time, seasonal because in the winter time people tend to shelter in a little bit more yeah. they're not going out they're not engaging they're more so nesting and hibernating yeah so there's a level of loneliness and that is different yeah and then this season i don't you know overlapping the holiday season because everybody doesn't celebrate holidays right but this season with the holidays being in it and everybody's experience of the holidays whether they're a big family or a small family, yeah. whether they celebrate it or not, they still have to walk through every day of this season. Yeah. And so coupled with the things that are already going on in our lives. Wow. And then this season where the world is telling you you should be happy and joyous mm. and I'm still struggling dealing with my things. And that contradictory of those two things is... Mm -hmm. And then I think what exacerbates it is when you're in a good mood and I'm not so in a good mood. Yeah. You don't want me to be around you. No. Right. Wow. Right. And so there is a rejection and then there's a feeling of isolation. You're yeah. rejecting me because who wants that around them? Yeah, on a consistent basis. On a consistent that basis. And that person, I oftentimes, I do know that there are people that um, have a benefit from focusing on the negative. Really? Yeah, because we don't do anything without benefit. 
Think about anything you do, you get something. Some type of benefit, yes. Mm -hmm. Or people always want some type of benefit from it. Mm -hmm. So I do acknowledge that that's that that is out there, but I also recognize that no one really wants to be in pain. Yeah. No one really wants to be in pain. Yeah. And I may know that I'm showing up in a unsavory way. But I'm also showing up to hopefully shift my mood. Yeah. But my mood might be so powerful that you're like, I don't want to deal with that. Yeah. But it's that tango. It's wow. that dance in between when, like, especially if you know the person and they're in a season of negativity. Yeah. Hopefully the relationship could be like, hey, I don't know what's going on with you, but I'm here. Yeah. Right? And sometimes it's you calling it out, hey, do you need a time out? Do you need to get you a happy meal? Because <laughs> your your mood and your countenance is it's not in a good space you want to talk about it. Yeah. Right? And a lot of us just don't have that opportunity to talk. Yeah. Wow. A lot of gents. the question. No, you did. You did. And it just always keeps alluding to like another question or like a flow of just like how it's a cobweb of how everything connects and flows together. Because I feel like personally, I've definitely experienced that on both ends. If I'm being 100% honest and transparent and allowed me the opportunity to be like conscious and socially aware of like who I am and my energy and how I navigate like certain spaces and places as well. So I guess that. Um, sorry. I guess that um that 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 makes me wonder and brings the point of friendships and relationships mm. now when it comes to whew, the connectivity mm. of people and just like you know being around people in a space where one might be negative, one person might be going through a challenging season and another person might be going through a positive mm -hmm. season and somebody's like, oh, well, you're not supporting me as the friend that I want and need. And, and all honestly, it's just like, again, mental health advocacy and well-being is very near and dear to my heart, but I feel like I've experienced it on like both sides and on both ends one time too. But I even have friends now who are going through like hard times and challenges as well. And I try to take a more upfront role in the beginning in terms of like just being an active listener or even asking like, hey, how can I support you right now? And then I felt a little daunted or a little like, just a little defeated in like what I thought my role was like as a friend or as a supporter. And then I came to the conclusion that I might not be able to support or provide the tools that they necessarily need right now and I feel like I'm losing a lot of my energy on it by 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 trying to be the superhero. Ooh, and this is okay. So let's not forget some of these. The there's a there's a need, right? I love what I do. Yeah. And there is a need for a therapist like right. me. We we are the ones that choose to listen. Mm. We are the ones that take on those things. However, you should not always have to pay a therapist. You should be able to have friends and okay. loved ones that can be there encouraging you, supporting you. But there is a balance, the absorption, right? A listening ear and support can be just, I'm with you, I'm here with you, but I don't know what to say. 
I don't know really what to do, but you're not by yourself right here. Yeah. And together we can brainstorm some resources. Yeah. Right? Wow. Or it could be more of a relationship where um, you are listening here. And if you are, like you said, and that feeling of sometimes it's daunting or you didn't feel like um, you, were, you were providing the service you wanted to, right? You showing up. You being there, 100% silent. Oh, that's support. Your presence is support. Yeah. And if you can't physically be there in this digital world, it's calling and say, hey, I just want to hear you breathe. Wow. Hey, I just, I just want to hear you breathe. Something as little as simple as that, that can go a long way and be yeah. as impactful. And I am, and I don't negate the power of technology okay. doing it doing it through a text, but it is levels of disconnect yeah. when we do not directly have active live interactions. Yeah. When you rather text me as opposed to call me. Yeah. Right? Those um, diminish the intimacy of the relationships. And so whereas Again, that's where my role does come into play. Um, but for both me and for any friend or family member who loves that person and they want to listen, there has to be a balance of absorption. You can listen and listen actively and engage, but only you know your true meter in the middle. And so when yeah. it becomes too heavy, yeah. That means that you are absorbing it. And so then you need to take measures to say, okay, we need to get you the right person. Because right. it's weighing on me now. Right. I want you to help me. I, I want to lean on you, but yeah. not for 10 miles. Right. right. <laughs> Just oh, a little. Right, right. exactly. Well, my gas tank might not have 10 miles in it. Absolutely. And my. At all the time. Uh, yeah, and your friends, right? Yeah. We meet. People and we have relationships that have different dynamics, and so yeah. whether you may be a great friend and I'm you valued in my life, but also I know emotionally damaged area. Right. You've announced it to me. Yeah. Or I've observed it. Yeah. And we're down and we're good for whatever, but if I'm emotionally in that space, I probably wouldn't come to you for that. Right. Right. And that's us knowing too. Which goes back to having um, a variety of healthy relationships. Yeah. Right? Healthy yeah. relationships. To knowing who you can go to mm -hmm. for which area mm -hmm. of your life. We live in a world of, um, right now, there's a lot of transactional mindset. And yeah. This is my truth, and that's your truth. But it can water down conversation on connection, on, on wholeness. Like, I don't want us to miss the mark. We're human having an experience navigating through this, and relationships, dialogue, communication is important. I need to hear and see different perspectives, not just hold to my perspective and push everything out that doesn't agree with me or my truth. Yeah. And that's another space where 
less space of therapy comes in, it allows therapy is transformative. Yeah, I agree completely. It allows you to take different perspectives. Yeah. And have shifts. Do you believe that everyone should go to therapy and or counseling? I'm biased. Okay. Um, I believe that I believe it's worth experiencing okay. for everyone. Um, however, I believe it should be a tool in the toolbox, and you never know what someone needs. But if you're that person and you don't feel like you have a listening ear, if you don't feel that the people that are listening have anything that is supporting the need in that area, you need to go outside the group. Go to, so whether it be a therapist, I'm biased, right? Or, or some other type of helping profession. We're not meant to do this alone. Right. And so I do think it's something. Right. And then sometimes we have blind spots. Yeah. And we don't know that we could use a little outside therapeutic perspective. Yeah. Like hands down, we come with knowledge that is why it's our skill base, right? There's evidence-based practices, research-based practices that show improvement. And if you do these things, it will show benefit. And some for those who are struggling or can't get a breakthrough, yeah. yeah come because it might just be a shift in perspective. Right. Why do you feel like, and I know we talked about this a little bit off camera, but like, why do you feel like people are not willing to come to therapy or try therapy? And let me shave down my question because when I say people, I don't mean everybody, but I guess I'm talking about like that stigma or that, or yeah, or even a better question, what what do you believe to be the stigmas, the negative stigmas of therapy? And how do we counteract that? Make sure I ask, answer the how we counteract part. Yeah, what do you believe to be the stigmas of therapy? And what is, yeah, what's your thought process on that? Yeah, I believe, I believe we have this reputation that we think we have to have of we have it together yeah. that we know what to do yeah and the thing with therapy means that you have to acknowledge that you need help and for some that's a weakness they perceive it as a weakness and so they won't approach therapy because they don't want to be seen as weak or crazy or culturally, there's a whole lot of reasons on why people will not get outside help. Yeah. And I think um, a part wow. of that delays the healing process. Therapy may not have been an option for a lot of people, but it's an option now. And the refusal of exploring it and it's really just a conversation with someone who has some tools and strategies. Yeah. 
the risk of not exploring that means that you'll be stuck or arrested or not in a, a natural flow, the natural flow that you want. Right. You won't be in your natural rhythm. Right. Because there will be things that are creating um, hindrances. Right. Risks and shifts yeah. along the way. And it's funny that you bring up that cultural piece and standpoint as well, because I think that growing up, I've always been exposed to like friends and like relationships of people outside of different cultures and areas and growing up in different areas, whether that is like African or whether that is Caribbean or Trinidadian. And I'm noticing an unofficial commonality that people or that cultures don't believe in therapy or sharing personal information about themselves or their family or like how you said the acknowledgement of like in general how it could come off as weak or disruptive in certain aspects and I have a lot of people who said they're not willing to go to that because it could dishonor their family or shame them but they know that they're struggling or challenging or they don't know how to communicate some of those things. So it's really just sad and honestly unfortunate for me to hear that they feel like they can't experience something that could mm -hmm. stimulate them or something that could help them in a lot of different ways. And for those people who do give it an opportunity, there's a lot of people that I know that try it and never tell anybody about it either because they believe it has such a weak component to it, which is why I'm trying to shed so much light on the positive transformations of like what therapy and or counseling can do. Because when I tried it and did it twice, it really did wonders for me in so many different areas, right? Like I wasn't able to fly after I completed my therapy sessions, but I was able to learn so much about like my upbringing and who I am as a person and what made Chris Chris as a person based off of the conscious and subconscious experiences that I undergo during my time and how like that impacted like my family, how that impacted my friends, my relationships, my energy and the type of people who like I'm around and want to be around and the type of people that are attracted to me based off of like my current mindset. So that's what I try to like um, shed light to as time goes on and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, I want to speak to the portion of the confidentiality piece. Okay. Please know that our confidentiality yes. is second to a lawyer. Yeah. Like literally. Which is really big. Really big. No one has to know. So if right. you need to come to someone like me, that's and that's reasons that you're not a part of your family. You don't know anybody I know. I can come and be authentic here. Yeah. Because I can't always be the full me in the other areas. And so it, it sheds that. It creates that space, so I definitely encourage the ones who feel like they are interested in it, but their family or friends wouldn't understand. Some things aren't for everybody. Right. Come on in right. and, and still deal with those areas and get that help. No one has to know if you did it through self-help or not, right. but we're trying to make wellness available, be it self-help or therapeutic. And sometimes it's 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 a feel of 
then will I need this forever or am I broken mm. or is something wrong with me? Mm. And at the root of that is some self-awareness and self-acceptance of knowing that we're human, that's what we are. Right. We're navigating through this. Yeah. And there are gonna be some things that we're strong at and things that we need to continue to grow and improve on. And this provides a pathway. Wow. I just need a second to like process everything too because there's just so many gems and tools and resources that you're providing from such a intellectual standpoint and perspective that is really just making me so excited to like hear these things and I really just hope and pray that so many people also have the opportunity and the curiosity to listen to this specific podcast as well and to like grasp and obtain some of these gems that they're curious to know about because I just have so many different conversations with so many different people who just might not have like how you said that representation for them and I guess my question to that is this is more so on a financial piece slash component but like for me thankfully I'm blessed and appreciative that with my job I have the opportunity to receive pay for therapy sessions by licensed um, counselors or therapists. But for those individuals who might not have the same luxury or opportunity, do you have any advice, opportunity, tips or tricks of just like how to receive some level of support maybe in the same way if they can, if they don't necessarily have insurance to pay a copay or if they don't necessarily have a job that funds their therapy opportunities, like what other options are available or could be available or what, what just, yeah, like yeah. What, what, are you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, and so for those who don't have insurance or cannot afford self-pay, there are community-based resources. Every county has a, a community resource for every county that provides health, dental, and mental health and wellness. Oh, wow. And you can get services from there at a sliding scale or income-based or free if you don't have any income. And everyone who does have a job but maybe haven't met their deductible right. to pay for that yeah. insurance, most jobs have um, a requirement for employee assistance programs, EAP. And I'm on several of those EAP panels and what it allows is for you as an employee, confidentiality is always key. Please remember this, but you as an employee can go on your business, on your jobs webpage or um, go to HR and say, I'd like the number to our EAP program. You make a call and they'll ask you, do you want face-to-face -face or video? Do you want to talk to somebody right now? Or do you want to schedule someone? Do you schedule um, someone near where you live? What time of day? And usually they'll give anywhere from three to 10 free sessions. Yeah, wow. 10, three to, three to 10. But it's per concern. So it could be my right pinky. Yeah, right. <laughs> my love pinky, my right, right pinky. Know how to like navigate the yeah. Yeah. Now, and if it's something like I'm on those panels, but if it's something that I do feel is beyond the scope of a short term mm. 
situation, right. that is where we say, okay, this is a little bit more long term. Yeah. Your job is not going to continue to fund these. You need yeah. to get therapy another type of way. Right. So again, no job earner insurance and no money to pay for self-pay. Those community services also get free. There are a lot of organizations out there, especially for people of color. Um, there's an organization that gives four free therapy sessions and you get to pick the therapist. Wow. And they'll give an invoice and if that therapist agrees, they'll be able to just fill out that paperwork and they pay for you. The other thing is, um, wow. um, everybody thinks that the crisis hotlines are only for suicide. Okay. They're not. Right. They're not a place for long-term therapy. They're not a replacement for that. But in the thick of it, when you need to talk to someone, yeah. and you know you're not suicidal, but you still need to talk to someone, right. you can also call those crisis lines. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's an amazing tip. I didn't know that because, I mean, I do think that the connotation behind those crisis lines are the most complex situations and where people feel like they might be like they're at their wits end and yeah life threatening is the word that I was looking for but it's good to know that obviously it's not a replacement or a substitution of but if you need someone to have those conversations like that's available as well mm -hmm. yeah and don't overlook self-help yeah. things like there's a lot of self-help and mental health and wellness modules out there that you can get a module or a course on to help with anxiety or depression or um, another cheaper version of because self-help is totally independent directed and if I'm not motivated to do it yeah. I'm not going to be motivated to read or do what they're seeing in the self-help right. books and modules but another way to get therapy is in a group format it's usually a lot cheaper okay. and um so like when I do groups, I can do a, a topic group or a focus group, right? Okay. And so a topic group would be it's all about grief or the focus could be just um, essentials or enhancing coping skills. So with that enhancing coping skills, yes, I'm teaching coping skills, but we're using who's ever in the group's concern and working through those things. But it provides an avenue. And I want to say the thing about groups. Um, it's a group setting. And depending on how people feel, usually groups aren't very large. I think the max, the, depending on the group, the max a group really needs to be is no more than 12 people. Okay. So you can enjoy and engage in the group. Um, but when you're there, there's not a mandate that everybody always speaks. Okay. Sometimes um, group is an introduction into therapy. Okay. That's not. That's a little less threatening. Okay. Because I can come in and I can listen to you and listen to the facilitator and others, and process my stuff. But I may not be comfortable to share right now. Right. But I still came and got something. And surprisingly, in a group that one that's silent, the others don't feel like it's unfair that they're silent. Yeah. 
it's, it's more so an understanding that I've been silent and had to just listen also right. in one season or another. Mm. So it's, it, it can be a level of understanding too in that phase and just like navigating that journey as well. I'm actually so glad that you brought up group therapy because I've never done group therapy. I've always, always done like one-on-one therapy, but I think that group therapy is also another avenue in strength. So the fact that you're like talking about it, even my level of like quietness is just my ability to understand and like grow my brain and acknowledgement as well about some of these different like experiences. I guess like my follow-up question to that is like twofold. Do you notice any challenges for people who undergo individual therapy or group therapy, right? Like I know it's very transformative, transformative, and in my personal opinion, I believe it's very positive in a lot of different areas and perspectives for your overall mm -hmm. life. But do you think that there's any challenges of going to therapy one-on-one or group therapy oh, that yeah. people don't necessarily, you know, speak on as much? Yes, and so, um, Professionally speaking, it's all about disclaimers. Okay, yeah, So yeah, even yeah. in my intake packet, okay. there's a sentence that says, therapy is good for you, but it doesn't always feel good. Mm. Okay, yeah. It, it's a little, you have to be ready. And that's one of the things about therapy. I have mandated clients, okay. which are a whole different type of client to work with because they don't want to be there. They're forced to be there. Mm. Therapy is a relationship. You have to want it. And even with that, I have clients that um, would still come back, but they would say, every time I come, I'm crying. Mm. And they're, they're frustrated because we're working. Right. And they don't like it, but they love it. It doesn't feel good to them. Yeah. But they are in a space where they're welcoming yeah. the shift and they're wanting mm. that challenge because I feel like you have to go through something to get something you yeah. have to do something different than you've been doing to yeah. experience something that you've never had yeah. at the same time too and I didn't even think about mandated clients for people who might be required to go for a certain period of time mm -hmm. and finding the best or optimal way to get through to somebody who might not necessarily have lunged at the opportunity in the first place. Right. And so it's the delicate dance of planting seeds and yeah. I, I strongly believe that there's a benefit in exposure and the planting of the seed, even to that resistant mind. However, the resistant mind is not gonna absorb that much because part of the energy is resisting. Right. Right? But I like to um liken it into every time someone interacts with me, they may be coming in for mandated or personal or work, but it's a think tank. It's a sparring partner. It's someone I can walk alongside you. It's someone that can present a different perspective on some things. And I'm someone that can challenge you. Yeah. Okay, no, I love that. I love that a lot. And then I guess my next question to you, kind of like extending from that standpoint is, what are your thoughts on having a therapist or a counselor that might share some of those physical 
demographics because I know when I first looked up a counselor or a therapist, they also give you the opportunity to find somebody who might be a male or a female or somebody of a specific race or ethnicity or age group or like I know that there's some therapists who have specialties in certain like areas. So like what are your thoughts on you're good. What are your thoughts on that on that? Yeah. I think it's a benefit. Okay. Um Okay. I will say this. Okay. When you're in need, it really if when you are in need and you have someone that is willing to help and be a listening ear, take that person. With that being said, yeah. um, there is sometimes the benefit of knowing certain demographics yeah. knowing if I'm a woman knowing that I'm a female black female therapist yeah. knowing even my skill set knowing that degree I think that's important because um, some things can just be an extra layer of a barrier Okay. like I've experienced that like even looking for my own therapist I am a therapist like I, I when in, in my doctoral program, um, my favorite professor made it be known that you, as a therapist, it's a mandate that we also seek mental health and wellness on a consistent basis. Wow. Because we're working with the mind. Right. So we need to make sure our mind is being balanced Which and we're so going to. Yeah. And so even in my journey, I'm, I, I, I still want someone that. I don't have to deal with a lot of the unnecessary things to get the service that I need. So yeah. um, I've had clients, I have I have a variety of clients and I really love that, that I have a cross-sectional culture of clients. Yeah. And I remember having this male client that picked me and they decided that they chose me for one reason and then discovered the reality that um, they were a black male, but they went by my name mm. and they thought that I was a white female. And they intentionally chose a white female because there was a concern that a black female therapist or a black male therapist would hold a judgment. Wow. And that was an eye-opening experience for me because yeah. I've never experienced that that way on the reverse. I don't want a person of culture be color because we there are not that many in the field. In the field, and yeah. so um, the benefit of me listing that you know those demographics. I am a female. Yeah. I am a person of color. Can help with client feeling comfortable because um, I also got clients just on Friday yeah. that decided to reach out to me because they did have a therapist but of a different culture and they're, they're, they began looking again because they felt that there was a disconnect. Like some things you don't necessarily have to say when you're of the same culture where you're culturally right. aware. Right. But this person wasn't culturally aware. Right. Now again, I see clients of, I have, I have African background clients. I have 
um, Caucasian Americans, I have Asian clients, yeah. I have male and female yeah. across the board, yeah. but there is some way that I'm still able to relate yeah. to all of them. Through the journey. Mm -hmm. That's why I say if you're in need, get anybody because if they're skilled and they love what they do, they'll be of service to you. However, it's a difference, and yeah. I, I like the idea that that is something made known, and why. If you can look in a directory or through a referral, or you can research me through social media and find those type of criteria, it eliminates half of your journey. You can narrow down yeah. to what you're wanting, Yeah. right? And yeah. then with the beauty of that, you will probably continue in the pursuit of getting a therapist because your first therapist may not be a good fit right. and that is okay. Do not run from therapy just because I may have said something that was challenging but also understand that we're here to provide a service. You right. are my boss. Right. I am a permanent tool in the toolbox. Right. But mm you are to use this tool as needed. And right. so if I'm not a tool that works well for you, then it is my responsibility as a therapist to step down and assist you in finding a better fit. Right. Because you may not know a better fit for you, but I can right. probably assess, yeah, you need you need this approach to therapy yeah. or you need that approach to right. therapy. And if so, I would share some other types of therapists or therapies yeah. that would be able to benefit. Wow, that's really good. That's really amazing. And I actually love that too because it makes me feel like it's less about me being your therapist and more about you getting the support and the assistance mm -hmm. and the service that you came for in the first place, right? And like how that person might think like, oh, I can potentially get that or knock off a lot of these blockades or challenges by finding a person of this specific area, but that might not necessarily be the case in all situations either. So I think that you saying that and like just having that mindset of if an opportunity does arise where it might not be as compatible or best fit finding that person too. And it's interesting as well, just like hearing you talk and say that as well, because I've had two different therapists and like their one was a black woman and then another was a white woman as well and I loved both of my therapists and they both provided very different perspectives but I think a lot of the questions that start to flare up and come into mind as soon as I mention like a white therapist as well is just like that cultural connection of different opportunities and scenarios and the reason why I'm so open to talking about it like now in general in terms of having somebody of that racial or ethnic background as well as because there were some things that I felt like it was optimal for her to know. And I think even me explaining some of those things gave me the opportunity to realize a lot more about the situation and scenario. And then her having a completely different mindset and completely different thought pattern also challenged my mindset. It also challenged my mindset in so many different ways because I think at first, and I think it's very reasonable and understandable too, right, to find somebody of that same background, but I think to go and operate in a completely different area or pool or field of somebody who might not know anything about it is going to produce 
different thought patterns as well, which is what I was curious about because initially I was like, you know what? I want to stay in my field, in my sphere, somebody who knows exactly what I'm talking about, which is not bad, but me going out and venturing out also allowed me to discover so many different gems about my scenario and situation. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about um, being free to go outside of the box. What, what is this box everybody wants to put everybody yeah. in? I'm going for the knowledge of the one that can help me. And right. I love, I really enjoy engaging with people that I may sum up as because you're of that culture, you may not get me, but yeah. those are hidden gem conversations yeah. where because of that, it's a different perspective. Bless you. Thank you. I know it keeps me. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, but um, those different perspectives, and that is what makes us well-rounded. That is the part of that skill of self-awareness. Yeah. Because as you said, having those conversations with that particular person and, and that challenging those concepts may be addressed hidden limiting beliefs yeah. that may have been there, which is, again, you can't go wrong with just having a conversation. Right. And we get free consultations. Right. So yeah, free yeah, consultations. Not a full therapy session, yeah. right? Because there's some legalities involved in how much you share, but yeah. like, oh. I basically give a free consultation. Yeah. That's a 30-minute session, right? right? Because you got to know, you want to know, do I know what I'm talking about? Right. And can I be of service before right. you share all of that? Information. Because it's a great disappointment if mm-hmm. the person you think can help you can't help can't. you. Can't. Yeah. Right? And so that's where consultations come in. Yeah. Come, talk, ask that me questions. That makes so much sense. That literally makes so much sense of the reason and the logic behind consultations. Wow. Okay. And um, my last question for you is I know right when conversations are so great my last conversation for you is honestly could you just like share some light share some perspective as to the importance of therapy the importance of counseling the importance of being open to like new opportunities and exposures and like what you genuinely want them to take away from this episode, our clip, and just our conversation together. Okay. Ultimately, what I want you guys to walk away with is knowing that mental wellness prevents mental illness. We're human. We're going to experience things. We're not going to always come out on top. And we need to learn to navigate when we're in the thick of it. And no one can do anything alone alone and with you exploring the opportunity of mental wellness you get to discover stuff about yourself that you were hidden to you get to expose those limiting thoughts those limiting beliefs you get to challenge yourself to grow you really do get to have paradigm shifts see things differently and those things begin to allow you to show up differently And so whatever avenue of life and whatever you're wanting out of life, you're able to achieve and receive those things and really enjoy the best of life. And that's why I think therapy is so transformative. It's really just a conversation 
with someone with some knowledge and skill that can provide service to assist and yes, to educate or re-educate, but it's just an opportunity to know you better. It's not us acting as if we know everything. It's all about you. It is really all about you. And if you've never heard it from anyone, I'm the first to say, use me up. As a therapist, you should not leave empty hand. You should gain, receive something from our interaction. And why? Because that's my goal. I love mental wellness. I think it's critical to our experiencing a full and enjoyable life. We can go through life every day and just be overwhelmed and exhausted by it. Or we can just have a paradigm shift and live. We can live navigating through the hard times, but still excited to go forward. And that is what I think therapy brings to the table. Notwithstanding to any other friend or family member, it's also just an extra tool in the toolbox. Wow. I love that so much and I am so grateful and thankful and appreciative of and for you, Dr. Pittman, for really just sharing some light to my audience, my viewers, and taking time out of your day really to come and share knowledge to, with, and for people who can use it as tools in the toolbox to prepare their lives and just live overall and collectively. Um, I usually give a piece of advice and tidbit at the very, very end, but I feel so shy and just in awe in the moment because I really do and genuinely believe like these tools and knowledge and tips and advice and points that you have given are like not only from a official and licensed standpoint, but also just like unofficially as well, just seems so optimal and so aligned with a lot of the things that I even learned throughout my times and um, experiences in therapy as well. So I'm just in awe and shock and very thankful for you coming today and sharing some light and knowledge. And I'm really, really excited to have this published to the world and on the market as well. So, um, there will be information and resources like this available for people when they're ready and when they need yeah. to as well. Yeah. Yeah. So again, thank you so much for coming to another episode of Peace of Mind where we value our health, our body, and our time. And that concludes today's episode. Man with this system, he cannot pray. I need to find relief.